Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Uh, Thank you for joining us as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Matthew. And we're in that exciting chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus is teaching about the end times. And today we're going to talk about his exhortation to be always expecting and always ready for the second coming. Do you have a young adult son or daughter who might be drifting away from the faith or maybe has already abandoned the faith? Uh, Listen up, because we have something, I think, uh, very special for you, and it's been my experience that parents of older children, this is their number one concern, particularly those who seem to be either lukewarm or actually cold regarding the faith that they had been brought up in. St. Augustine predicted that when things get increasingly evil towards the end of the age, that unbelievers, a large number of unbelievers, will become fervent disciples of Christ because they see the scriptures about the end times being fulfilled before their eyes. This is how he put it. I just summarized it, but this is how he put it. Some who till then shall be without shall become firm in the faith they have rejected and mighty to conquer the devil even though unbound. That's referring to Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. God's grace aiding them to understand the scriptures in which, among other things, there is foretold the very end which they themselves seem to be arriving. And that's from St. Augustine's City of God, book 20, that there will be those who are on the outside who will not just become faithful Catholics, but will become fervent faithful Catholics as a result of seeing scriptures fulfilled. This is from an unrequested testimony we got from a listener from Luke 21. He said this, thank you for the Luke 21 podcast. I have listened to the entire series once while doing chores and am going through the whole series again more carefully while taking notes. I had been an atheist for at least 15 years before finding your podcast. Steve's lectures played a large role in pointing me back to the church. I really can't tell you how grateful I am. This is a very unexpected response, but when I saw this testimony, it reminded me immediately of the prediction of St. Augustine. And we're obviously going into a time worldwide of apostasy, in other words, of falling away from the faith. Whether or not this is the great apostasy or just a rehearsal for the great apostasy, I can't tell you with any definitive decree, but certainly there's things going on that will arrest the attention of people who may be right now outside the faith. And I must say, I'd like to give a thanks to the good folks who believe in the rapture at any minute. Now, what what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. Early on, I had a young adult conversion to Christianity, and I 
made my way out to the Jesus people out in the West Coast in California, and I was utterly shocked to encounter people who literally believed that Jesus Christ was going to come back someday to earth. I had grown up in a mainline Protestant church, and we uh, recited the Apostles' Creed frequently and basically mumbled, he will come again to judge a living and the dead and whatever, but it had absolutely no meaning to me whatsoever. And I never really heard anybody with any type of conviction share that they believed Jesus was actually going to come again, and our job was to have an expectation for that. And so I tip my hat and give my thanks to those folks. I think their timing and some of the arrangements of that is way off basis, but that reality is really needed. And, you know, even today, let's just uh, pick on Catholics for a minute. We have an entire season of the church year called Advent, Advent means coming, and it's, and it's a twofold perspective, looking back to the first coming of Christ and looking forward to the second coming of Christ. And yet, is there that real expectation during those four weeks that we're really getting ready for Christ's return, or are we thinking of what are we going to buy on Black Friday or what presents we're going to buy for Christmas and this and that? I, I think it's a bit lacking, and so uh, the goal of Luke 21, our podcast and our radio broadcast, is to bring the vivid reality of Christ's teachings, the apostles' teachings, the Old Testament prophets to bear on our current situation. And I have something rather exciting to share with you. On January 1st, 2024, and this is Lord willing, we might be off by a week or two, but our goal is on January 1st, 2024, we will have a new and expanded version of Luke 21. And don't worry, if you like exactly what we're doing, we're going to continue doing exactly what we're doing. We're going to have podcasts, audio podcasts, and radio broadcasts continuing but in addition, we're going to be bringing you through a YouTube-type uh, video format, Luke 21, in that format, and we plan to uh, launch a new website about the same time of Luke21.com with a lot of features to help you explore that vital understanding is about Christ, not just his first coming and what he did, but what the second coming will entail and what will be the times leading up to that. So I just pray for us, if you wouldn't mind, uh, a lot of preparation. We've been praying, preparing for this for the past few months. We have some other steps ahead of us. And also, I would greatly appreciate if you tell your friends about what's coming and about what we're doing, because I'll disclose to you our advertising budget for this big project. It's absolutely zero. We don't have an advertising budget. We're putting all of our efforts into the equipment and the website and the development of all this and counting on you to tell your friends, which I'm sure you do. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. And in Matthew chapter 24, we saw last time that there are two main teachings in this chapter on the end times. And 
the two main teachings are in response to the questions posed to Jesus. Um, the disciples are saying how wonderful these great stones are, how great this temple building is. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 24 and verse 2, do you see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will be not left here one stone upon the other that will not be thrown down. And he's talking about the Jerusalem temple. So Jesus then goes to the Mount of Olives, which is just across the valley overlooking the temple. And the disciples came up to him privately and said, when will this be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age. Now, the disciples thought these two things are actually one. In other words, uh, when will this be? When will the temple not have one stone left upon another, in their minds, coincided with the end of the world? I mean, you know, a lot of folks living in the United States who love the United States, like I do, can't conceive of no United States. Uh, a faithful Jew couldn't conceive of, of God's temple. The very presence of God in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, would, would not be. So they just said, that must be the end of the world. And actually, Jesus separated these. And it's very interesting that he gave warning signs. So the first part of Matthew 24, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all types of celestial signs. He says, these are just the beginning. Things will get worse. But then he gives a date prediction. He said in Matthew 24, verse 34, this is a turning point. I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. And the disciples ask him, point blank, when will this be? Jesus said, this generation will not take, uh, go away or pass away till all these things take place. Now, Jesus said this uh, right around 30 AD. Biblical generation is approximately 40 years. 30 plus 40 equals 70. And on schedule, as predicted, in AD 70, the Romans destroyed the temple and there wasn't one uh, stone left upon another. All right, now, and this is why this chapter is so difficult, and there can be some overlap in this chapter, but I'm not going to confuse the issue. Now we get to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, and we're going to switch gears. Jesus says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven. No one knows. Well, he just told you about when the destruction of the temple would take place, what would be the signs leading up to that, and he gave them very specific directions as far as what to do. They took off to the rock city of Pella, and uh, the Christians left the city of Jerusalem before the Romans surrounded it and destroyed it and killed just uh, about a million inhabitants at that time. But of that day and hour, no one knows. So we've switched gears in verse 36, and then he compares it to the days of Noah. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. In other words, they were oblivious. They were just going about normal life, you know, shopping, building, working, providing, going about their daily routines. And verse 39 of Matthew 24, they did not know until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, the first prediction, when will this be this generation? But after he spoke that, two verses later, he goes, but of that day, the end, he goes, no one knows. Just like they didn't know what was coming, the judgment that was coming in Noah's day. So what do you do then? Verse 42, watch, therefore for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And if anybody tells you they think they know, or if they're sneaky, they give like little suggestions that are really predictions that turn out to be false. No one knows, I don't know, no one knows, but know this, that if the householder had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched. And so faithful watching. This is why I spoke about my thankfulness to the rapture at any moment, folks, because they gave me an awakening, really, to the reality of the second coming, that this isn't something we just mumble when we say the creed. This is something we profess that we believe, and then we live like it. We live that we have to watch because we don't know. We don't know when Christ will come, and he says, the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. And it's, I'm smiling because there's a lot of people who see the earlier signs in Matthew 24 and say, oh, the second coming, you know, and they start hinting that it's, you know, the next 48 months or this or that. No one knows. Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief. And a good thief uh, comes in the night when it's dark. It's not seen. It's not expected. Noah's flood came when everybody was going about their business. They probably thought Noah was out of his mind because he was expecting a judgment. That's why he was building the ark. And he wasn't being silent about it. He told his friends. He told his community. He warned them about what was happening, that God was bringing judgment on a wicked world. And they just thought, huh, yeah, that'll never come. And it sure did. Now, what I want to pull together is the idea that somehow you can figure this out, that somehow your, your favorite teacher of biblical prophecy will certainly figure it out for you. No, he or she will never be able to do that because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says no one can know this. This is something hidden, and it's coming at a time you don't expect it. So if you're living in a time you all expect it, that will be the time he will come. Let me give you a companion verse or verses to Matthew 24, Jesus coming like a thief. Again, this is the unexpected coming versus the destruction of the temple. There's two things going on in Matthew 24. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is an epistle by St. Paul. St. Paul writes, but as to the times and the seasons, he's talking about the second coming, 
you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What is it? Where, where did St. Paul get this? He got this from the teachings of Jesus that were being passed by the other apostles. And very interesting, verse 3, when people say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a woman with child, and there will be no escape. But you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Now, I don't know if you get this. If you're watching means you're living in a state of grace. You don't live like you can predict the day you're going to die or the day Christ is going to come back. No, you live faithfully all the time. Oh, that's so hard. No, this is called Christianity. It's becoming a disciple. It's a 24-7 365 affair. It's not something that you do when you think you're going to die or when some prophecy expert, so-called expert, is telling his second coming's right around the corner. And there's something very curious in here. St. Paul says, when people say there is peace and security. Now, everybody right now, with what's going on in Israel and Gaza and maybe the Middle East ready to uh, just blow itself up that could even result in a world war. Some people are saying, well, people saying, oh, this is apocalypse. This is the end. Well, you know, what if there's a horrible war? I mean, a really horrible war, maybe even one involving nuclear weapons. And then you have a peace. You think, finally, the world has finally found peace. And any peace that's been established, and I don't deny that human beings can create a situation of peace temporarily. But if it's apart from Christ and Christ's kingdom at the center of that peace plan, uh, it will fail and there'll be catastrophe. So what do you do in order that you're not surprised by the thief in the night? St. Paul goes on. So let let us then not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, when Jesus is saying those who sleep, sleep at night, he's using an illustration. There's two types of people living right now on this planet. There's people who are asleep. Even professing Christians are asleep. Or he says they're, they're drunk. They're not sober. They're not awake. They're not alert. I like to use the expression, their radar isn't clicked on, that actually we should be living this day and every day with the expectation of Christ's second coming. And yet, uh, St. Paul says, no, There's others who just aren't awake and others who aren't sober. And by the way, there are some Christians who think it's a lot of fun to get drunk. That's the excusable mortal sin. Well, it's forgivable with confession, but uh, a lifestyle that just simply is, what, clueless about the reality of the second coming will be shocked 
they'll be surprised by the thief in the night. Now, just so you know, in other words, your life is going to change as a result of a worldview based on the reality of the second coming. And if the second coming is just on a line of a creed that doesn't make any difference in your life, you're in the night. You're not sober. You're not awake. You're going to be surprised. And then, same thing from our first pope, St. Peter, in his second letter, 2 Peter 3, he says this, First of all, you must understand this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions. And by the way, a lot of theological errors come from people following their own passions rather than their reason and revelation from God, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? In other words, uh, it's been a long time, and, uh, you know, this isn't going to happen. But St. Peter goes on to say the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Again, this is the third time. Jesus said it. St. Paul said it. Now St. Peter, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. So what's the conclusion? Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of persons ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? You see, your lifestyle and your view of the end times are to be one. In fact, they are one. If there isn't any reality attached to it, your lifestyle is going to show it. And the last generation living when Christ comes, whenever that is, will be shocked if they're not living in accord with the beliefs that they profess. And in our day, where so much of our culture has fallen away from the Christian faith, you really need to have an expectation to live a different way live as a child of the light rather than a child of the darkness. Our age is darkness, but Jesus has called us into his kingdom of light. We're supposed to be aware of these things. So bringing it home to Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 45, and by the way, um, everybody likes to know, you know, when's Jesus going to come back and what's going to happen before then and when are the earthquakes and the wars and all that stuff. Well, that was the first half of Matthew 24, and the whole second half is about watching faithfully. And it doesn't stop there, because remember, chapter divisions came centuries after Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew. It goes right into the entire chapter 25, the whole idea of being prepared, being a faithful disciple, watching in an attitude of faith for the reality of the second coming of Christ, realizing it can be any time, and that even before then, the end of our life, we do not know. We're supposed to live our entire lives, not just wait till we get old and, okay, maybe I'll get religion then. No. Jesus said, Matthew 24, who's the faithful and wise servant 
whom his master has set over his household. He talks about doing what you're supposed to be doing. And he says, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. There will be a very real new world that Christ will see what faithfulness you did in this life for the life to come that will be on a new earth, a real new earth with people, mountains, rivers, streams, fish, everything. But he says, if that wicked servant, that wicked servant, he's talking to professed believers here, but the wicked servant who says to himself, my master is delayed. That's the exact same thing as as Peter said in his second epistle, um, scoffing, like, where is the promise of his coming? Well, when the master is delayed, he beats his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunken. He carries on just like everybody else who is clueless about what is coming in the world. So the master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect him. Here it is again. We do not know the time of the second coming. I will say with great certitude that the time of the second coming will be unexpected, and it will take a huge portion of this globe by entirely by surprise, and it will take millions of professing Christians by surprise, the ones who think in their minds, the master is delayed. Look, it's been 2,000 years. This is never going to happen. No, it will happen, but he says he'll come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour he does not know. And, and this is Jesus Christ speaking, and will punish him and put him with the hypocrites. There, men will weep and gnash their teeth. Now, weeping and gnashing your teeth in a certain place is called hell. And he's talking about those disciples who live their lives as if there's no second coming if there's no reality, if there's no accounting for our lives, if there's no final judgment. And this is why, bottom line, why I do Luke 21 is because there's so many people in the church as well as outside the church who aren't aware of the reality of what could be facing us at any time in any generation when we least expect it. So let's watch As Jesus said, pray, be sober, be awake, and live a lifestyle in the light. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.